Hello, and welcome to RD and the Inbetweens. I'm your host, Kelly Priest, and every fortnight I talk to a different guest about researchers, development, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of RD and the Inbetweens. That's right, you are hearing my dulcet tones again. I am back after a three-episode break where the wonderful Dr Edward Mills guest-hosted a few episodes for me. So in this episode, I'm going to be carrying on a conversation that started actually on Twitter. So a number of our PGRs raised issues with some of the support that's available at the university for them as mature PGRs. And so we thought it would be really valuable to have a conversation about what it means to be a mature PGR, what that even is, um, what the challenges are, what the benefits are, and also um, what advice they have for any mature students who are thinking of starting or about to start a research degree. So let's start with introductions. Guy and Tracy, are you happy to go first? Sure, my name is Guy Bowman. Um, I finished my PhD in history in, well, I submitted in September 2019. Uh, I am now, I'll be 60 in two months. Um, I came back to do a PhD as a relatively mature student because I found a story that really fascinated and intrigued me. Hi, I'm Tracy Warren. Um, I did an EDD, or I'm doing the EDD. I submitted about four weeks ago, so I've got my Viva in three weeks. Um, I was working in Abu Dhabi and Dubai when I started this journey, so I uh, did it as a distance learning international student. That's great. Now, Catherine and Kenza? Hi, yeah, I, um, I've been working in private practice for over 30 years um, as a, a town planner and a landscape architect. And there was a real world problem that troubled me. And I had the bright idea of coming back to university and actually doing a PhD to try and answer the question that I had in my mind. So I actually applied for a PhD that was advertised fully funded um, and with a, a supervisor that I particularly wanted to work with. So I've come back into human geography. Hi, my name's Kenza. Um, I am a second year full-time PhD student at the Institute of Cornish Studies, which is in Exeter's other campus down in Penryn in Cornwall. Um, I had been a teacher for about 20 years, having done the normal university master's degree straight after undergraduate. Um, and then I was made redundant and very serendipitously um, that summer that I left school, my PhD, which um, came with funding for my fees, was advertised. Um, and I thought, why not? I'd always wanted to do one. So I applied, got this, awarded the studentship and started the PhD. And last but by no means least, Laura. I'm Laura Burnett. I'm doing a PhD in history and archaeology. And I did the an undergraduate degree in archaeology and then I worked for a few years digging and so on and then went back and did a master's and then I worked professionally within archaeology for about 15 years and I always knew I wanted to come back and do a PhD but part of that was around identifying a topic that I knew I wanted to do and I knew would work and then 
timing wise it's been about fitting around kind of family requirements and so on and that's why I've started now and partly why I've chosen to start in Exeter. Thanks everyone for those fabulous introductions. I think what that really captures is the varying routes um, back into or into postgraduate research and postgraduate study and I wondered if we could just take a little bit of a step back actually and think about what we mean by the term mature student or in this case mature PGR there'll be kind of an official university label which generally encompasses somebody who's gone straight through um, tertiary and further and higher education so GCSEs, A-levels, undergraduate degree, master's degree, straight into some form of research degree. Um, but that doesn't necessarily work as a label for everyone. And I wondered what you thought of it as a term and how you felt about it as a label and a classification of who you are as a, as a researcher and as a student. Um, I think it is reasonable to label it. I don't know whether we can define how quickly. I think it's quite typical, my experience in talking to understudents is quite typical now to have one or two years gap. But I think all of us here are people who've had a much longer gap than between kind of finishing our undergraduate or finishing our master's. You know, it's not just one or two years of working a bit or saving up some money. We've all had quite substantial gaps, which probably do change both our life situation, but also the kind of experience and viewpoint we bring to doing a PhD. So I think it's worth thinking about a separate group, but I wouldn't say it's people who just haven't gone straight through. I'd say you're probably looking at people who've had at least four to five years gap in professional experience before they come back. Um, I don't know, I, I kind of, I self-identify as young. Um, this is an expression that someone, I, uh, someone said the other week to me, and I thought that's such a great thing to say. So, I mean, I don't know what mature means really. I mean, yes, I mean, I, you know, I, when I started my PhD, I was in my mid fifties, um, but in, in some ways, I would kind of question what the, you know, what, what the differences are. I mean, it's partly, I think it's, I, you know, on the whole, I think I'm blessed with the ability to get on with people of all ages. Um, and so I kind of, you know, I didn't, I'd ever struggled with um, people, you know, my fellow PhD students who were in, you know, in their early twenties or, or their mid twenties, mid twenties seems to be the norm, but you know, there were certainly some who were kind of like, you know, 22 years old starting a PhD. Um, which, of course, I never imagined myself doing when I was anything like that age. But I don't know, I just kind of think that, yes, it's a long time since I was an undergraduate. Um, and I am very grateful for doing, I'm, I'm very glad that I didn't do a PhD when I was 20 or 25 or 30, or, you know, actually it was the right time when I started in my mid-50s. So I kind of reject the premise here, actually that um, there is anything different about being a mature PGR student. I think you do you do when it's right for you. It doesn't work for everyone, you know, and it, um, it's not always easy, but in my case, it was the right time. Yeah, I love that. And I think in the, all of your introductions, when you were talking about how you came to doing um, your research degree, you were all talking um, or providing us with stories that were very much about the right, the right time and the right topic? So from my perspective, I think it's a combination of experience, opportunity, um, and an eagerness to get into the world of work meant that I really didn't want to go through any more into formal education at the time. 
I obviously did the undergraduate degree straight through to master's literally because I didn't know what else I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do as a job. And I had quite a, a negative experience as a master's student uh, for my first master's degree. Um, and actually, I think had I then gone straight through to do a PhD, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had the maturity that I have now. Some people might argue I don't. Um, and now having had sort of 20 years away from, mainly away from academia and having worked in the real world, um, I, I know that I'm quite happy to sort of ask things and go, okay, but I'm not happy about that. And this is what I want to do. And please, can you help me with this? And I think that 22 year old, 23 year old Kenza would not have had that self-awareness or that confidence to ask for those sorts of things and therefore have got the most out of what was available to me. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's a reflection also of how academia's moved on. But um, I think that, as other people have said, it's the right time for me. I think it would have been a far more, I'm not saying it's not stressful doing a PhD, we all know that, and we all know the amount of work and pressure that we often put ourselves under. But early 20s, Kenza would, would not have, talking about myself in the third person here, would not have coped with that in the way that I find I, I'm able to do so now. Um, I just wanted to reinforce what Kenza said. I completely agree with that. Um, I mean, I'm not quite as mature as Gay, but not far off. And I don't feel that I would have had the confidence to do what I'm doing now. I think imposter syndrome is a problem for everybody, regardless of age. And I think sometimes as an older student, um, you can find it a problem, but you also have the resources to, to work with it. You have the confidence to ask the questions. You're not so worried about how you appear to others. Um, yeah, and it, it's, it's that um, that thing of being able to be confident enough to say, actually, I'm struggling with this. Can, can somebody help me? Can somebody advise? And I think mature students maybe find that a little bit easier to do because you don't really have anything to prove. It is lovely talking to other mature students. And actually, that was something that really surprised me coming back. I thought I would be massively older than everyone else. And I was massively heartened in my first few induction days to sit next to lots of other people who were older and to go into the induction history and realise I was not the oldest person there by about 15 years, which is what I clearly expected to be. So I think people perhaps, well, I know myself, I wasn't aware of how many mature PhD and research students there are. So I think that's something I hope, you know, this podcast will make people realise if they're thinking of coming in is then this is not an unusual situation. Yeah, and I think that's really key because there is, even in the way that I'm framed this and, and Guy challenged this so beautifully, is, is this assumption of difference. And, you know, like Guy's saying, actually, you know, we're all human beings coming to this at the right time in our lives. So are we that really that different? But also, you know, the community is diverse. And so I wondered if you could maybe reflect on what it was like coming in as a mature student and, and what your experience was of, of your assumption of, of perhaps being different, but also um, the reaction and response from your peers. I think I've been really lucky. Um, the department I went into, everybody was absolutely lovely. And age just wasn't even a consideration. 
you know, I was at Freshers Week with everybody else. Okay, I wasn't out partying, obviously. But, you know, I was just with a bunch of other people who were all starting at the same time. They were all fantastic. We got on really well. And I, I didn't really feel that age was even a consideration at any stage. And, and that kind of carried on right the way through for me, really. I found everybody very supportive. And it's just a, it's a community of people. I, I think age is just a state of mind. Yeah, age is a state of mind. I love that. Um, I think for me, what made the crucial difference was that I came back um, and did the master's uh, more or less, well, I had a year between the master's and the PhD. So I was starting a master's in my 50s um, after having been out of formal education for 20 years or so. Um, and and so I struggled a, a, a bit when I started the master's. I struggled with kind of getting back into okay so here's a confession when i was an undergraduate i was i did my undergraduate degree in the early 1980s at hull university and it was a degree in drama um and i was the worst student you can imagine i was you know i was partying i was living it up i was doing lots of productions but i was not doing the work that was required to do to do the degree and i very nearly failed i came out with a two two um and I, even though I was, you know, quite bright, um, I, I was just not doing putting the work in, and uh, and that was, you know, that was so it was never nothing could have been further from my mind when I was twenty than I would be doing a PhD. So I had to kind of between that stage of finishing my bachelor's degree and starting my master's degree thirty something years later, I had to go through a long, long journey, which involved all kinds of stops along the way where I realized, for example, that I was able to, to write reasonably well, um, which is a skill I had anyway, but I didn't kind of, I didn't have the confidence to kind of realize about it. Um, that I was able to read and some, you know, read some kind of difficult theoretical texts as well as some more straightforward. Um, and that I could, yeah, that I could cope, but even so starting the masters as I did in September 2014, I think it was, um, was an interesting shock and coming up against some of the um, some of the kind of the sort of the, the, the styles and the ways of being and the ways of talking um, and the and the how seminars were conducted um, those kind of things and, and quite some quite theoretical stuff which I struggled with um, that was the difficult bit Having then finished the masters um, and done well in the masters, then when I started the PhD, that that was an easy transition. It was the same university, it was the same department, it was some of the same people around me. So, yeah, it was the masters beginning that was the difficult thing. Um, yeah, thank you. I was just going to make two points, and one of them builds on geese. So if I start with that one, that um, thinking about kind of positioning yourself in the department. One thing I've found a little strange is coming in as someone who's used to managing their own work and managing their own time, that in some of the university setup, it's a little bit more hierarchical. So um, I, my supervisor is massively long suffering because he, he keeps getting emails saying, saying things like, you know, has Laura checked your permissions to do this? And he just very kindly says yes, even though clearly I haven't because I completely forget that I need to ask my supervisor whether I can do this thing that's vaguely related to my PhD, but not because I'm not in the habit of asking someone else's permission to do something to do with my own research. So um, yes, they're very, very long suffering about that. But I do think that can sometimes be 
perhaps a difference for students who go straight through when they need to move from being a student in a hierarchical relationship within the department to mo moving to be a collaborator and a colleague and obviously people who come in as mature students and perhaps people in something like archaeology which is a very collegiate subject in general are more used to that relationship and I think you have to have the right supervisors and colleagues around you who are expecting that they're not expecting you to be a slightly shy retiring or unsure student they realize that you are a professional experienced person own right um the other point i was going to make is i know um something earlier about freshers week and joining in and as a someone who is at an age where i've got a reasonable family responsibilities in terms of young children and also although i live reasonably close to extra i'm about an hour's drive away so i'm not I haven't moved to Exeter to do the degree. So I can get involved in some of the departmental life. And that was one reason I chose to be in Exeter was because I was close enough to do that. But I didn't really take part in things like some of the more social side of Freshers' Week or some of the more social side of the department. And that does make a difference, I think. Um, yes. And I think to sort of carry on with what Laura says, I live relatively near the Penryn campus but I started at a funny time of year I actually started in the November of 2019 so I sort of missed out on all the induction thing so I very much don't feel part of the social side of Penryn campus at all however you know three months later we then all went into lockdown we went online and the the great thing that I think actually has made my PhD, and again, it feeds back to this, you know, not not feeling um, older, or not 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 sort of being perceived as being older than the other students, is the online community and online sort of PhD support community has has been great, and everyone is equal, everyone is treated equally, so you really don't notice who's a ma mature student and who isn't. Um, and the other thing that Laura was saying about it's that idea of asking permission. I, I never do. I'm very, very lucky with my supervisor because I all of my supervisions start with, well, I've done this. And he goes, oh, OK, then, um, you know, and I think that possibly comes with the, the confidence and the maturity that we were talking about earlier. That sort of, OK, well, I, I I'm used to having to run my entire life and having to organize this and spin lots and lots of plates because I've had to do that throughout my career so therefore I don't ask people if I can do something I just go ahead and do it um, yeah so agreeing with Laura on lots of things what's really clear from what you're all saying is that there are a number of things that as a mature PGR and somebody who's been out in the world of work for uh, a period of time um, that, you know, there you bring things that are incredibly useful to the experience. You know, you talked about that kind of confidence and the ability to ask questions and to kind of develop your independence as a researcher. Uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. You know, we're, um, it's about, I think it's about skills. That's what I think is, you know, kind of for me, the difference between between doing it now and doing it, ha not having done it then. So I think a PhD is like managing a project, you know, it's like managing a really complicated, multilateral, multifaceted project, which is basically me um, on my own with 
yeah, some support from the supervisors. I like that idea of going into the supervision and saying, I've done this. I think that's a really positive way to do it is that, you know, you say, this is where I'm at and this is what I've got to. And this is, these are the successes I've had since we last met. And these are the struggles and the questions that I'd like you to help me with um, rather than waiting for the supervisor to start the conversation. That's really good. So yeah, that idea of, of you know, of, of being able to, you know, through my other experience in my life, my varied experience, I, I know how to plan things. I know how to schedule things. I know how to uh, fill time if I'm waiting for something. Um, I know how to manage um, information. I mean, a lot of it, particularly in history. So I did a history PhD. It really is about managing information. It's about managing my secondary reading and my primary, you know, the sources that I'm looking at in the archives and being able to handle all of that material all of that is stuff i think that one gets in life you know that, that that if you've got some experience as a person out with a job or with a family or both then you've got you gain that experience and you can then bring that to the phd in the in the way that someone who's in their 20s maybe can't yeah to some extent i'd agree with Guy. obviously i bring a whole lot of project management skills to it but actually I find how I work on academic stuff is probably quite different to how I work on things I've worked on professionally. It's very seldom you do such a big project professionally. You know, I've done some research and evaluation and that's perhaps a bit more similar, but it's rare that I do this sort of work professionally. Um, so I would say that actually there's kind of, yes, there are skills I bring and probably the thing that I bring as a mature student is perhaps a lack of panic. There are there are more there are bigger disasters in my life. There are bigger problems in my life. When things go a bit wrong with the PhD, when things are a bit tricky with the PhD, relatively it matters a lot less than other things going wrong in my life. So, um, which is possibly not what supervisors want to hear, but um, I kind of like my PhD. I kind of want to go well. I want to do well in it, but it's not the be all and end all of my life, and it can't be because you know I have other people in my life who are, in the end, more important. Which is possibly the wrong thing to say, but true. Um, what I would say is I have found it slightly difficult because I have a way of working academically, which tends to be very intense. I tend to, I'm, I'm definitely someone who, as well as used to say, doesn't start moving to the ground, start shaking and that I really, I like to very much work towards something, but then have very intense periods. And that's not always compatible with having a family life and working part-time as a PhD. So that's something that I've had to learn to do as a mature student which is different from how I worked when I was in my 20s doing my undergraduate or doing my master's degree and I could just completely focus on a period on a piece of writing I was doing and I just can't do that because I have to get the kids from school so <laughs> there is I've actually had to learn to work in a different way as a mature student um, but yes like I said I bring bring a whole lot of kind of life experience to it which helps. Yeah I really I really identify with what Laura's saying. Um, but one thing for me was actually working at the same time as studying. And I found I was wearing two hats. And I actually found that really difficult to juggle. Um, my professional life was writing reports and communicating in a certain way. And the writing that I was doing was very different to the writing I was doing as part of my PhD. Um, and that became quite a struggle for me, actually, because you were having to adopt these two personas and write in two very different styles. So you do need to be very organised. I think this is something that Guy was saying. Um, 
and you know don't underestimate the fact that you are trying to manage all these things and have a family life on top of that so you know it does take a lot of organization so if you have project management skills certainly that goes a long way towards it but i do think that um mature students have slightly different requirements for me it was the kind of the academic writing side of things and you know just needing a bit more support on that front so we've talked about the benefits and the strengths that you bring as a mature pgr what about the challenges what about what are the barriers that you faced um certainly one thing i found difficult is having had gap from um when i was a full-time younger student is the way that academia's moved on and things like methodologies and sort of um you know understanding of particular themes and ways of working especially within history um i just have no idea i mean i'm somebody who did my computers were just about coming in and um, obviously they were coming in when i was at school but when i was an undergraduate i did all my work handwritten everything was longhand um when i did my masters yes i did type word process my essays but we didn't have university email addresses or anything like that so um you know that we're talking about that sort of gap so it's not necessarily technology i've had to use technology the whole way through my career but understanding the sort of oh this is how we've now decided that you structure a piece of writing and um you need to make sure that you've included this that and the other i think sometimes people assume you know what that is and somebody coming straight through would do because they've done an undergraduate degree especially in history quite recently um well probably in other subjects I just history is my experience um and I, I don't know that so that in a, in a way has been a barrier and you just have to go okay I have no idea what you're talking about please can you help me and you know occasionally you get the slightly about taken aback look but most of the time people are happy to point you in the right direction yeah i agree with what most people have said um and i think there are just a number of things that i've noted here um the supervisors i've had have been really understanding of me as an older student because they understood that there'll be other life commitments um family at work so i don't I found them very supportive uh, and despite everything that they have pushed things through quite gently in many ways. Um, for me, it was the challenges definitely of juggling work. I was working full time. So every weekend was basically doing the, the research. So for me, it's been, it was tough the first two years getting the assignments done and then when the research itself took over what I found was that that was much more within my remit to deal with time scales so that was that was great I could actually plan that out thinking of my work commitments for me I was as, as I said I was an international student so for me I struggled with time because there was a time difference between the UK Exeter and where I was li living so that wasn't just a case of being a mature student I was juggling work and dealing with time differences when I wanted to contact my supervisors but as I said again they were very understanding and some of them were even messaging me over weekends because I, I worked on a Sunday 
Um, the other thing for me was writing, and I couldn't agree more with Kenza, um, that for me, my writing style was very different. And that was something that the supervisors commented on. And I reflected on this thinking, as a younger Tracy, I wouldn't have written like this. I wouldn't have written so confidently about my approach and my perspective um, because they, they actually said it was a very individual but engaging style. And I don't think I'd have done that or had the confidence to do that at the younger me. Um, and also for the research itself, I actually don't think I could have done this research because this has come over time, experience within my profession and within that particular job at that time. So the questions developed out of my working practice in my life. But yeah, so the barriers, I think there were, the, the biggest one was juggling time for me um, and the distance with, with time, time difference. But it was actually asking people for help and the right people that I struggled with. Sometimes I wouldn't know who to go to. Whereas if I was be on campus or perhaps come through Exeter as an undergraduate, I might have known quicker where to go to for advice and who to ask. But most of the time my supervisors have been very long suffering. Yeah, there are lots of things coming out there about being or not being a part of the academic community. And I wondered if we if we could spend some time thinking or talking about that, what kind of whether or not you felt welcomed into the academic community, what the what the barriers were um, again. I think one thing I would share, and again, this is more thinking about people who are perhaps think, listening to this, thinking of doing one, is as well as thinking for a while about what subject I want to do, I did think quite carefully about which university to do it at, um, partly because I had the experience of someone else I know very well who did a um, collaborative doctoral partnership um, as a, also as a mature student with a university that was some distance away. And um, as Tracy was saying, that creates difficulties in terms of being able to contact people, but it also creates difficulties in perhaps being able to take up some of those opportunities of doing a PhD. And so one reason I wanted to come to Exeter was because they had a strength and a community of people working in the period I wanted to work in, but also because they were close enough, for example, that I could get involved in teaching. Because that's something I really wanted to make sure I did during my PhD, was spend some time practicing teaching. And I was able to do that because I lived close enough. Um, obviously with things going online, it's made it much easier to be part of seminars, which has been wonderful and allowed me to really work, meet more of the other students and staff working on similar periods to me, um, which perhaps I couldn't at first, even though I knew they were there, I couldn't kind of be there at five o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon to actually go to the seminars and meet them, whereas being online has allowed me to do that. Um, so previously, I think that was a barrier with things like timing of seminars and so on. But I do think you know, when you're thinking about where to go as a PhD, obviously look for your supervisors, look for the right supervisors. We've all said how important our supervisors are. Think about, but do think about that community and also what other things you want to do as well as do the research, whether being close enough to be involved in the department in that way is important as well, of course. Funding is also, <laughs> can be a big control as well. Yeah, there's a slight kind of double-edged thing here, which I think is, is you know, my grey hair um, and the fact that I'm a bloke you know, sometimes I get respect um, from people just for that. You know, sometimes because I'm an older white male, some people will give me respect, which maybe I don't deserve. Um, 
uh, you know, and that is on the whole, it's a good thing for me anyway. Um, however, I, sometimes I think I've had experience of younger academics, you know, even quite senior academics who are perhaps slightly uncomfortable with having um, somebody who is a lot older than them, um, who is, you know, at that, but at that junior level, because there is a very strong hierarchy within a university. Uh, you know, undergraduate, masters, PhD, professor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are these very clear um, strata within the university, um, and if there's somebody, you know, on a higher stratum than me who is a lot younger than me, then sometimes I think they struggle. I don't think I struggle. I, on the whole, I don't think I do. But I think I've experienced older, yes, or younger academics who who don't feel quite comfortable in my presence. And I don't know what one can do about that. And, and equally, you know, lots of other academics and um, other members of staff and students who are perfectly comfortable with a geezer who's 30 something years older than them, but some people do struggle with it. I, I totally agree. I think possibly the thing that mature age, mature age students bring to the PGR community and maybe the university community as a whole is that we have this experience, this life experience outside academia, and we are totally used to having to deal with people at all stages of their life and all stages of their own various journeys, and therefore actually dealing with um, a supervisor who might be 20 years younger than us. I, that's not my personal experience, but, um, you know, or um, people who have just got their PhDs who are far younger than us or people that who are far older than us doesn't phase us perhaps as much as it would do somebody in their very early 20s. And I wondered how that works for you Tracy because we're talking about kind of living relatively close to the campus whereas you know for quite a bit of your studies you've been on the other side of the world so what's that sense of community been like for you? Yeah I, I think for me the, the challenge was actually having engagement with the student body and my fellow researchers as a community. Um, and at the time, although we have good technology, that wasn't open to me until the pandemic, which you and I have discussed before, that actually the pandemic opened more opportunities for me. Um, and I feel that following um most of courses and access and seminars conferences going online i feel how i've got much more community with fellow researchers whether that's younger researchers or not um because um i certainly meet many more researchers online in the last year than i did do previously so I think it isn't a case of distance, it's a case of uh, opportunity and access and thinking of it much more broadly. Yeah, I'm really glad you used the word community, Kelly, because that's made me think about that again. And I'm kind of thinking that I really have felt, I did, I did feel very much um, that I was part of the, the big university community, um, which is, I mean, you know, it's an enormous community and it does, it's not... I mean, when I was an undergraduate, just to go back there again, you know, there were 100 students in one building studying drama at Hull University, and we were completely a family. Um, and in Exeter, there are, you know, 
over a thousand students doing history um, as undergraduates, and they're all scattered across the place, and there's no sense of them being one community. So, and I think Exeter is a big university, um, and I think it's 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 you know it's hard to pin down where the community is. But I always, but I did feel, um, you know, I was part of, you know, I was I I, I spent a lot of time in the library. Um, I was, you know, kind of I, I would often eat on campus in the daytime. Uh, you know, in and out of the guild. You know, making. I, I mean, I was on the university challenge team. Um, not that we got on the TV, but even just you know, the kind of lots of things that made me feel as if I was, as if I was part of this big group of people. And I think that um, that for me really made it work. And I think I had a, um, again, I had a confidence about that. I mean, I think that's a word that people have used. Um, I had a confidence about joining things and going up to people and saying hello what's this can I join in you know that kind of stuff that I, that I didn't have when I was in my life. I just wonder whether it's a good point to think about how some of this difference it depends what you want to get out of the PhD you know are you doing it professionally to move yourself forward professionally and you know where that's going to go are you doing it to actually change career are you doing it as an experience to develop yourself intellectually, to develop new insights, new society, in which case that kind of social aspect of being part of a wider university community can be really important because you want to open your mind to new things and to meet new people and to be part of that. Or like I say, if, you, if it's a much more, this is a professional step within my own career and developing my own skills, you may not actually feel that need because you are, already have that community within your professional practice. So um, I'm probably someone actually who's perhaps moved on that a bit. I think when I first came back to my PhD, I very much um, saw this as something that was part of developing myself professionally within my career, but I wasn't very clear about where I wanted, what I wanted to do after the PhD. And in fact, actually, I'm still not, and I still get lots of different ideas, but actually I've loved going back into the academic career. I assumed I would never want to come work in academia after doing PhD because I saw it as possibly sometimes a bit horribly competitive over very small rewards and not perhaps that collegiate in some ways and I didn't really feel that was the kind of society I wanted to work in but actually I've really loved working <laughs> kind of you know teaching and I've loved studying again and you know maybe there are opportunities for me there great advantage of being part-time so I've got years to worry about what I'm going to do afterwards and can try out lots of things in the meantime that's also one, one aim of the PhD was to give myself that space to have a PhD part-time so I knew I was, had some income coming in and some work but also to give myself space to experiment with new things. So I suppose why you're coming to do the PhD might impact what other things you're going to look for and what you really need. I was just listening to, to what Laura said and smiling. Um, I came, I mentioned earlier, I came in to, to do my PhD because it was to, to solve a problem I had in my career. And I was doing very well in my career. It was going great. There was no question of me going into academia, you know, and I was going to go back into my job and I'd be better informed. Well, that was just rubbish because doing a PhD changes you as a person in lots of really good ways. And Doing it part time, I think, has helped me to kind of compare my working life with my academic life. And when you're in your 50s, people don't have any great expectations of you to go into academia. They think you're going to stick with your life in practice. And actually, I've just completely fallen in love with academia. I'm due to submit my PhD in September. 
And I've already been successful in securing a permanent lectureship, um, which I started in the new year in Liverpool. And I just couldn't be happier. I'm a completely different person. I now have a totally different life. Um, and I, I just feel like I've, I've come home, you know, and I like being in consultancy, but I'm just absolutely delighted with the way things have worked out and doing a PhD has given me skills and experience and confidence and all the things that I didn't have before. Um, and that's why I would just say to people, just go for it because you really don't know where it's going to take you. That's just completely fantastic, Catherine. Congratulations. Um, talking about kind of, you know, going on to an academic career, it's a really nice segue actually into what started this conversation, which was about career support for mature students, you know, who aren't kind of haven't gone through that, I don't know, convey about of education without without getting off it and doing um, professional work. And so I wondered if we could speak a bit about that, about kind of what support you actually need as mature PGRs who already have had careers, um, who have sought a PhD as a professional development opportunity or as a career change, you know, what what is it that you need that's different? Um, I can I can start this off because I'm slightly to blame for the entirety of this podcast. Um, I have, having been a teacher in secondary schools, I have absolutely no desire to go back to that. Um, not dissing teaching as a career at all. I have the utmost, utmost respect for all my former colleagues, especially all the work they've done in the last year. But I, I, it's not something I want to return to. So I'm at that okay I'm in my second year of my PhD stage I need to decide what I'm going to do afterwards I need to start looking at options so I've been going to as many or I spent um, the sort of spring term this year going to as many careers seminars and talks and so on as possible and got very frustrated very early on because there was just this assumption that people looking for work were aged 22 and had an undergraduate degree and I actually went to one talk where the person said, who was, you know, the um, Exeter graduate who they'd got in to do the talk, said, oh, yes, and you can make senior management by the time you're 25. And, and I, you know, had, it, had we actually physically been in the same room, I think I would either probably, having said I'm mature and have grown up and whatever, I probably would have thrown something at him. Um, there is just this assumption that people looking for work are have just finished university um, and have no experience and are looking for a career and they just want money and they want to live in central London and we all know everyone undergraduates school teachers children and teenagers in school everybody knows that is not true so why is this still this fallacy still being peddled in career seminars um, and I didn't challenge him in that one but then I went to his, another seminar probably a few days later and actually I did turn around and go hi um person in their mid-40s here who's had one career doesn't know what they want to do with their life after their PhD please, please don't assume this and actually got a really positive response from that but but yes there is this um you know I think maybe that's that's something that we need to do as mature students but there are a lot of mature students as we've discovered and we need to challenge these stereotypes and say and also let alone with the way that society has changed spot the historian here the way society's changed over the last 50 years 
people do not go into jobs at the age of 16 and stick with that one company until they're 65. Many, many people have either change jobs or change careers partway through their lives. And I think that hopefully careers, services and whoever will start to realise this and start to sort of tailoring things to you know, maybe we need to go and ask for it rather than expecting it to be handed, this information to be handed to us on a plate. But I think that people need to start catering for a wider range of needs. This sounds like Exeter University's career department need to do some targeted sessions or a, or a theme, a stream, which is about um, mature students, not necessarily only PGRs, but, you know, students of, of in any level or, or department or whatever who are you know who are kind of coming in again after after some experience with family and 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 work and you know and how that is different and and what they you know how because because I mean the, the, the fact is we've all got a hell of a lot to offer you know that's what it's just a question of finding the right the people who are looking for that stuff that we've got to offer you know and and that um we are yeah we're great we are wonderful and people would be lucky to have us in their career. Um, I think also we could, if we're all sitting here dissing the career service pool guys who aren't here to reply, they could all be serving this trip because I know some of the conversation in amongst PhD students more broadly is about things like this terrible phrase of alt-alc, the kind of people who are doing PhD but aren't then planning to go on to an academic career. And obviously, we're often people, mature students are often people who've done some of those other careers and therefore perhaps have some useful insight into that conversation. Or, you know, they could be, the university could be exploiting more some of our links into, um, into kind of industry and into other, other areas of the subject. And it might um, perhaps be to call back something we spoke about earlier in that subject, where sometimes some of the other people who work in the department have gone through perhaps more traditional route or but have stayed in academia their entire career and actually therefore that kind of wider understanding that of those other routes is sometimes not perhaps there to the same extent and that's something that the um, career service could be doing usefully not just to mature students but by setting it as more of a conversation and a way we can the community with an extra can contribute and work together this could be something that other students can benefit from as well and the people working within those career service jobs as well might benefit from some of our experience just very quickly laurie you're, you're spot on i mean i think the amount of times i've been in an academic situation and i've seen academics with loads of experience who don't know for example how to run a meeting who don't know how to handle a seminar you know who only have one way of doing things and that's what they've been doing for 20, 30 years within an academic context. One thing I'd say is perhaps sometimes a bit, like rather than this being something that the university needs to do for students, to recognise that if the university is a community, a kind of academic collegiate community, then this is something we do together in collaboration. This isn't something the university needs to do for students as a kind of someone lower down the hierarchy, perhaps. This is this is a, this is something we work together at, um, which, you know, I know you're somebody who does work on for collaboration and that's true, but I think there can, we talked a little bit earlier on about sometimes that that hierarchical relationship that can creep in and that that, that is a problem, I think, and that perhaps is a barrier here. 
You're right. And I think that working in collaboration and that reciprocity is really important because one of the big philosophies of the way that I work is no one knows better what PGRs need than PGRs themselves. <laughs> um, and so I think it's really important for us to work in, in collaboration to work together on this. Um, to wrap up, I, I want to think or imagine that, you know, there's somebody listening to this podcast who is considering uh, doing a research degree as a mature student or who is just about to start what advice would you give them what do you wish that you knew at the point at which you started or were considering applying it's not so much of what I wish I'd known but uh, what I have come to realize and that is don't be put off by thinking oh god I'm a mature student what on earth am I doing with my life if I suddenly take three or four years out to do a PhD just go ahead and do it you have whatever whatever life journey you've been on you have acquired the skills and the knowledge and the ability to do a PhD and you know whether that's juggling lots and lots of different things and commitments plus full-time study whether that's juggling a full-time job and part-time study you you have learned those things you have learned those skills and what you need to do is just think, I can do this, the support is there, and I will learn so much about myself. And it, maybe it's not just about learning about yourself, I will gain something. And actually, I do have the right to do this for me. So I would say, don't be, don't be put off by thinking it's just something that people who are very brainy in their mid-twenties do. I'm not, I'm not describing myself as very brainy either. Um, but yeah, just go for it. Yeah, I, I mirror some of what uh, Ken's has said. So I was just jotting down a couple of things. And I think the main thing that people said to me about it was a marathon and not a sprint. I, I you go at my workplace or life at like 100 miles an hour or 140 kilometers an hour along the Dubai Abu Dhabi highway. And I was still expecting to do that with my with doing the doctorate. And it was only on reflection recently that I recognized that, the, that it was a marathon and that it's a different process and it's a different pace. And then also mirroring what Kenza had said, um, the word I put down was skills is that I have acquired so many amazing skills during this journey. Um, and that's through my workplace and life, as well as through this research opportunity. So I think if anybody was debating whether to do it, I'd say, absolutely. because you learn so much on the way and incorporate a lot of your life skills? I was just going to completely echo what the others have said. I think they've said those much better than I can, so I just agree with them on that. And one point I was going to raise, which hasn't kind of come up elsewhere in the podcast, was about doing PhD in combination with having a young family, in that I have two boys who are now just eight and five. And so I started when they were three and five. And obviously, that obviously many mature students have 
perhaps caring responsibilities as do younger students but actually a part-time PhD complies really well with having a family because there is flexibility about when you fit the work in so um, that can really that can work quite well in that I work much more intensely during the terms and I can take a bit of time off during the holidays so if you're thinking will having a young family prevent me doing a PhD it can actually be a type of work that fits really well with it but I think what's been really inspiring with this podcast has been seeing how yes Go in with a clear idea about why you're doing the PhD, be clear about why you want to do that topic, about what you really value about that topic and, you know, about why you've chosen to do it, where you've chosen to do it. But I think what this podcast really talks about is that that change, that growth that you have to a PhD. And so don't be surprised if it goes a different, different direction as you work through and that you change as you're doing it. But um, yeah, I would echo with other people. I've been glad to do it, but I have been glad to do it now. You know, I wasn't in the place when my kids were very small babies. It wouldn't have, it would be more, much more difficult. Um, and I don't know whether I've come up my 20s. I would probably still pitch them. I've done a slightly different one. So, you know, it, it, it fits people at different stages. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to agree with everybody else. But one thing I would say is be kind to yourself. My supervisor often says to me to stop being so hard on myself. Um, he reckons I'm my own worst enemy. And I think sometimes we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves as mature students. So just something to be aware of. Um, I also think we shouldn't stereotype ourselves. OK, we're mature students. But, you know, I think we've seen today that actually it doesn't make a lot of difference what age you are. We all deserve to be there and we've all earned the right to be there. And just to reiterate what other people have said, just be prepared to come out as a different person at the end of it. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's. So one of the things that I think I want to say is, is that it's it's not for everyone. Um, I think that's something that should be said to anyone who's thinking about going to university at any level. Um, if they're a 17 year old thinking about an undergraduate degree or if they're thinking about a PhD, you know, it, it's hard. A PhD is hard work. It is designed to be hard work. It is designed to be something that takes literally thousands of hours and takes you very deep into studying something quite particular um, and that is you may feel that you've got some of the capacity for that but maybe you haven't as well so I kind of weigh it up quite carefully I think in, in your mind you know do a list of all the pros and the cons and talk to as many people as you can uh, before you start I mean I thankfully my experience was pretty good so you know I'm, I'm, I'm lucky but it's not really for everyone. So just kind of take that slowly, I think. Um, I think one thing about being, you know, what we talked about before is having confidence. Um, and I think one of the things that is I've really learned uh, is that ability to say, I don't know. I don't understand. I'm, you know, please explain this to me. I'm not sure what, that's, what that means. Younger people often struggle with that, I think. You know, I think I think I've got to the stage in my life when I say, well, I am what I am and what I am needs no excuses. Take me, you know, as you see me and I will admit when I don't know. And that really that's very, very helpful in life, I found. And the final thing I think I would say is that. Um, is just picking up on on the thing about, you know, family life and what Laura was saying. I mean, my my children were were in their 20s or at least in their late teens when I started. So that made it a lot easier. But um, I, I had a fairly strict policy from the beginning 
which I was able to do, partly thanks to my wonderful wife earning some money and to my getting a, a um, funding for the PhD, I had a fairly strict policy of, of compartmentalizing work and leisure. So I, I worked, I did my PhD work from nine till six, Monday to Friday. I didn't work evenings and I didn't work weekends. Um, I broke that occasionally, particularly towards the end, um, and particularly when I was overseas doing my research. But on the whole, I tried to stick to that because your mental health, your well-being is absolutely critical. You won't get through it if you break down in inverted commas. Um, and you need to balance that life in order to get through it. So, yeah, kind of look after yourself, really. It's um, as Catherine said, be kind to yourself. Thank you so much to Guy, Kenza, Tracy, Catherine and Laura for having this conversation with me. And, and thank you to you if you've stuck with us for what is now just under an hour. I wanted to keep a lot of this content in because I think it's just so important to um, share and to recognise the experiences of different researchers. So if you're listening to this and you think but that doesn't chime with my experience as a student or what about, you know, what about being part-time? What about being distance? Whatever it is, if you feel like you've got a story to tell, please get in touch. And that's it for this episode. Don't forget to like, rate and subscribe and join me next time where I'll be talking to somebody else about researchers, development and everything in between.